want to invite you to go ahead and share this online service with five of your friends. Go ahead and text somebody or, or, or direct message someone. Tell them to jump on our live stream. In other words, uh, it, it is time to get the word out that we are about to get into the word. Get the word out that we're about to get into the word. You'll notice a phone number on your screen. You can text 423-440-8555 at any time. Uh, during our time together this morning, and someone will be getting in touch with you for any uh, prayer request or need that you may have. Just send us a text. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 will be our text this morning. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. So grab your hand sanitizer. You know, when I was growing up, you know what we used for hand sanitizer? Dirt. Rub some dirt on it. That was hand sanitizer. But this morning, we're going to focus more on our heart sanitizer. That's the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Matthew 5, verse 9. You know, that early January day in 2004, what was that now? 16 years ago, that was not a fun day. Uh, surrounded by family and friends, Tanya and I, we stood in our driveway on Sundance Circle in Richland, Mississippi, ready to crank up the loaded down U-Haul and drive to New Orleans, Louisiana. We were following Jesus, everything that we had had at that point in our life, were either standing with us in the driveway, loaded in the U-Haul, we had sold it or given it away because we were following Jesus. We believe the Lord had called us into vocational ministry and first to pursue education at seminary. And so we had had this conversation with our family months prior to this day in January and we told them, hey, we believe God's calling us to quit our jobs and sell our house and everything else and move. If we don't sell it, we'll give it away and move to New Orleans. So this was a conversation we had had prior to and we got some interesting responses some of them at times may have seemed a, a bit unsupportive and some of it understandably so we we receive responses like this what are you thinking <laughs> what, what are you thinking are, are you really going to leave good jobs nice house family friends and church family one of my co-workers said the last thing this world needs is another pastor my own family said to me sam you're going back to school you barely got out of school. It took you seven years to get a four-year degree, and that's completely true. And so some of them were pretty understandable. Now, our plan when we moved uh, to New Orleans was to live on the campus. But there's a problem. The seminary then, nor does it now, allow corona on campus. And we knew very early in the application process that the policy of the seminary was no corona on campus so here was my dilemma god had asked tanya my wife to leave everything familiar and to move family brother sister uh, dad mom uh, not sister but sister-in-laws and family and church and home and just everything leave everything and move so i i wasn't about to tell her and oh by the way tanya you're going to also have to leave your corona I just couldn't do that. So we made a decision. We decided not to give up Corona, so that meant we had to live off campus. And in essence, that meant that we were socially distancing ourselves from our seminary family to some degree. Now, Corona was our pet dog, our two-pound chihuahua. Surely you didn't think I was talking about some alcoholic beverage when I said Corona. I mean, we are Southern Baptists, you know, right? The seminary now, nor did, nor did it then, allow pets on 
campus. So we had to make a decision. And I'll gladly made the decision. I would gladly make it again. In order to keep the peace in my home with my wife, I made a decision to keep our dog Corona, even though it meant we would be social distancing ourselves to a degree. So fast forward to 2020. Here we are as a church, as a, as a country, as a city, as a community, as a county. Here we are, and we're practicing social distancing, not because of a, some pet dog named Corona, but because of a virus that is called Corona. And so during this time of uh, temporary separation and social distancing, God, what does he expect of us? Well, God expects his followers, his disciples, his church to not merely maintain the peace, to not merely keep the peace, to not merely be peace maintainers. But in Matthew 5, 9, the Lord identifies his church as peacemakers, which is completely different than peacekeepers or peace lovers or peace maintainers, but peacemakers. I read this week that the Peace Corps, for the first time in its history, has decided to halt all operations globally due to this virus. So look around. I mean, people are asking the question. Your friends, your family, your, your social media platforms, the contacts, everybody is asking. the Our world is starving for peace, and they're asking the question, where are the peacemakers? Or where is peace? Is there any peace? Well, let's listen to the lips, what comes off the lips of our Lord as he makes it pretty clear in Matthew 5, verse 9. If you have your copy of the Word of God, would you look with me there in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Here's what our Lord says about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Father, here we are. We are in a unique time, in a difficult time, in a somewhat frustrating time uh, where we are distancing ourselves socially. My prayer as the pastor of your people in Red Bank, Tennessee, and uh, those that are in and throughout Chattanooga, Tennessee, that are associated, that are a part of our church family, is simply this. That although we are practicing social distancing, that, Lord, we would not practice spiritual distancing. That we would not be spiritually distant. That, Lord, we would connect with one another and connect with you and listen to your word today and have ears to hear and to have hearts to respond today to what the Spirit has to say to his, your church. Help us today, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Here's our sermon in the sentence, if you want to say it that way. The takeaway is what I call it. And it's from right out of Matthew 5, 9. And it reads this way. Peacemakers point people to the Prince of Peace. That, that's what we're called to do at all times, especially, well, any time, but especially in times like this when everybody's looking for peace, peacemakers point people to the Prince of Peace. So I want to share with you four traits of a peacemaker in our remaining time together. So here's the first trait of a peacemaker according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Peacemakers are beyond blessed. Peacemakers are beyond blessed. 
Now, we have been walking through these Beatitudes for some weeks now, and every one begins with the word blessed. And i got to be honest with you. The further and further we go into this blessedness, the worse and worse our situation gets with this virus. It's like I'm, I'm thinking, man, should I keep going? Because it's just getting worse and worse. I mean, how is it that we're blessed? I don't know of anybody that is happy about what is happening. Who is happy about that? And yet the Lord says uh, the peacemakers are happy that, that they'll be called sons of God and that we are happy and blessed regardless of the circumstances. Well, how is this? We don't feel very blessed right now, do we? Certainly not in these difficult times. See, we're trained from a very young age to be happy. I mean, from the time you can walk and talk and and and. And, and, and commune with others. You, you're taught to, to be happy. You're trained up to be happy. To go to the right school, you'll be happy. To make the right grades, you'll be happy. To marry the right person, you'll be happy. To get the right career, you'll be happy. To raise kids in the right way and they turn out okay, you'll be happy. And we're trained to be happy. We never expect to be unhappy. I mean, our, our declaration is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as a nation. Now, as followers of Christ, our, our battle cry should be life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. But as a nation, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what happens when the world crumbles beneath us? What happens to our happiness? Is it in jeopardy? Is our blessedness in jeopardy? when things that are happening are not happy. Well, here's what the Lord says. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, we're living in a time now when all of us, not some of us, but every one of us, is rethinking well, what does it mean to be happy? Man, what does it mean? To, what does this American dream mean? What does the prosperity of this nation mean when everything is just crumbling around us? And we're living in that time rethinking what it means to be happy. And so here, our Lord says, blessed, happy are the peacemakers. Makers. Look at that word peacemaker. That's a compound word. It's two words in one word. The first word is peace. And peace is basically referring to all that makes for a complete and whole life. Peace. And then maker is referring to an action-filled word that just bursts with energy. Like you're going to go make something happen. Like you're a peacemaker. You're going to pursue peace actively to the fullest a peacemaker blessed are those peacemakers well we just don't feel like it right now right reminds me of the old jewish man who went to the wailing wall nearly every day to pray in the morning he would pray for peace in the afternoons he would pray for eradication of illness and there was a reporter that noticed him going to this wall day after day after day and praying day after day after day and so she asked him in an interview well how does it make you feel to come every day for 25 years and pray how does that make you feel and here's what he said like I'm talking to a wall do you feel that way not very blessed right now maybe you're not raising your hand when we say who feels blessed today maybe that's just not where you are today so how is it that a peacemaker is beyond blessed how is it even possible for us who are following Christ. Well, here, let, let me show you how this is possible. First of all, peacemakers know the maker of peace. We know who the one is who makes peace. We know him. In fact, uh, we need to understand and make no mistake about it that our God is a God of peace. Our God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of fear. 
He's a God of peace. And Paul often started and ended his letters with a word about peace. It's like he bookended his letters with this idea of peace. For example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes at the beginning, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he ends that letter this way. Listen, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And then in Romans, he does a very similar thing. He begins with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the letter with this. The God of peace, may the God of peace be with you. That the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The book of Philippians, he does the same thing. He begins with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the letter with this. The God of peace will be with you. He began and ends with peace. Why? Because our God is a God of peace. In fact, his very name is Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Man, why are, how can we say we're beyond blessed? Here's how. We know the maker of peace. We know him as peacemakers. Here's another way we are beyond blessed. Peacemakers are at peace with the maker of peace. Not only do we know him and we know who he is, we're at peace with him. You know, the Bible says several times that God opposes the proud, the prideful. That word opposes mean that God makes war with the proud. Like he is in opposition. He is at war with the proud. But when you humble yourself and put your faith alone, in Jesus alone, by grace alone, when you do that, guess what? You go from being an enemy of God to being at peace with God. Isn't that phenomenal? To think that you and I can be at peace with God when in our sin we are enemies of God. But in Christ we are at peace with God. Wow, yes, we are beyond blessed. But God doesn't stop there. Uh, in Romans 5.1 he says it like this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, peacemakers, how, how are we blessed? Well, we're blessed because we know the maker of peace. We're at peace with the maker of peace. And here's, it gets better. Not only are we at peace with the maker of peace, we have the peace of the peacemaker. It's not like God says, okay, I'm going to be at peace with you, and then we'll, I'm just going to leave you alone. No, he gives us peace. In fact, Paul says it like this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Now, I tell you, I don't understand much. I don't know of anybody that understands what's happening right now. And Paul doesn't say, okay, uh, the peace of God which surpasses some understanding. He says all understanding, that we have that in Christ, the peace that surpasses all understanding through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are we at peace with God, we have the peace of God. To face anything that we face, whatever trouble comes your way, you can know that in Christ, you don't have to be troubled even when trouble comes. Because in Christ, we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Wow, peacemakers. We're beyond blessed because we have peace. We're at peace with God. We know the peacemaker. But that, may, that gives us a responsibility. We've got to give peace. Not just have it, but make it and give it. Lucy said to Charlie Brown, she said, Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate the world. I hate everybody. 
And Charlie Brown says, well, Lucy, I thought you had inner peace. She says, I do have inner peace, but I'm also outwardly obnoxious. Right? Just because you have peace doesn't mean you can hold on to it and keep it. You need to give it. You have the ability right now to give peace by pointing people to the Prince of Peace. Don't just, peace didn't come to you to stay with you. It came to you because it's heading to someone else. We, we are at peace, but we must give this peace. Well, how can I do that right now? I'm quarantined. I'm self-quarantined. I'm locked down. I'm socially distant. How can we do this? Well, you have some kind of device because you're watching this. So share this. Uh, connect with somebody on the millions, it seems like, social media platforms out there. Connect with somebody. Uh, you have paper. Write a letter. Write somebody a note. Write them a letter. Put it in the mail. Uh, you have the gospel. The gospel has not been quarantined. It's not. Share the gospel. You've got it to share. So you say, well, how are we blessed? As peacemakers, how are we beyond blessed? Here's one of my favorite verses about peace in all the Bible. Colossians 3.15. Listen to this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Did you hear that? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Listen, Paul didn't say, let the peace of Christ just abide in your heart or be in your heart. Or let the peace of Christ just camp out in your heart or drive through your heart. Or every now and then just let the peace of Christ Google Hangout in your heart. Or just let the peace of Christ Facebook Live in your heart or live stream in your heart. Or let the peace of Christ uh, Zoom into your heart. Uh, let the peace of Christ staycation in your heart. It doesn't re- let the peace of Christ quarantine in your heart. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And the word for rule means to umpire. Your heart and your life should be umpired by the peace of Christ. Not by the news, not by the negativity, not by the bad news and the fake news and all the other news, but it should be umpired by the peace of Christ. The batter standing in the batter box, ready to bat. The pitch is pitched by the pitcher, and the catcher catches the pitch. And the umpire, silent. A few seconds go by, the batter looks at the umpire and says, so what was it, a ball or a strike? The umpire said, it ain't nothing till I call it. Hey, you let the peace of Christ make the calls in your life. Nothing else from the outside. Let the peace of Christ that rules in your heart umpire your life. Why? Because you're beyond blessed as a peacemaker. Number two. Second trait of a peacemaker. Peacemakers live a balanced life. They're not wishy-washy. They're not topsy-turvy. They live a balanced life. Jesus said it like this. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not not blessed are the troublemakers. Hello? Not blessed are the troublemakers. But the peacemakers. It's a balance. A balanced life. You know, this world has never seen peace. World peace has never been seen by this world. Not since the fall. Not since before the fall, Adam and Eve in the garden, that was, you could consider that world peace. But since the fall, there's not been world peace ever witnessed, and there never will be until Christ comes again. In fact, one has said this about world peace because it's so elusive and so scarce, one has said it like this. World peace is that glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload. (laughs) 
That's about as good as it gets in regards to world peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not the absence of a virus. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Peacemakers live in that balance of facing trouble, but not being troubled by the trouble you face. They live a balanced life. They don't panic. They're calm. They pray. They rely on the Lord. They lean into Him. Peacemakers live a balanced life. So that means we can't confuse a peacemaker with a peace maintainer. Please don't think that a peacekeeper and a peacemaker are the same thing. They're not. A peacekeeper and a peace maintainer is one who, 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 will, who will seek out peace at any price. They'll compromise convictions for the sake of peace. They won't confront a confrontational situation for the sake of peace. They don't stand on the truth for the sake of peace. Let's just everybody get along, right? That is not a peacemaker. That is not what Jesus had in mind here. So a peacemaker is not a peace maintainer. Secondly, a peacemaker is not a peace breaker. And a peace breaker is one who lives on one extreme. They live in total, utter fear, or they live in this flippant, I don't care mentality. And so a peacemaker is in between the two. A peace breaker is on either end. So those two are not the same thing. A peace breaker has an attitude of, well, I just don't care. I'm just going to flippantly, I don't care. Or I'm just fearfully scared, one or the other. But a peacemaker in between. Here's what a peacemaker is. It's one who lives in the balance. It's one who says that although everything is changing moment by moment, especially with this COVID-19, it's just changing by the moment. They realize and understand that Jesus is the same. (laughs) He's the same. Yesterday, before COVID-19, Jesus was the same. Today, during COVID-19, Jesus is the same. And forever, after COVID-19, Jesus will be the same. He is the same. And so we can stand in him, in Christ alone, and live a balanced life. Even when the storms are raging. Here's what a peacemaker says. A peacemaker says, sure, let us serve people. Let us wash people's feet. But first, let us wash our hands, right? We're balanced. We say, yes, let's love our neighbors, but let's keep the fence up, right? Let's don't tear the fence down. We have boundaries. We live in the balance. Yes, we recognize that a peacemaker is one who stands on the truth of Christ and him crucified we know that we can't win some to Christ by just winning a fight we put relationship ahead of being right we live in that balance that says yes I'm going to stand on the truth but I'm also going to tell people in love and grace the truth Jesus didn't come full of grace or truth he came full of grace and truth a balance so hey as peacemakers let's live in the balance How about this? How about turning the news off and reading the psalm? If you want to be calm, read the psalms. That's the best way to be calm. So shut off that negative news, get into the psalms, and listen to the word of God. Number three, peacemakers are bold in their witness. As peacemakers, we are bold in our witness. Look at verse 9 again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called. Now the word called here is an interesting word. It is in the continuous future passive tense. 
which means that God's children will be called children of God for all of eternity. For all of eternity. Continuously. Through the future, forever. We are the family of God. For those of us who are in Christ, we are the children of God. And notice who assigns us the title. Called is in the passive tense, not the active tense. We don't call ourselves. We don't designate and assign that title to ourselves. God has assigned it to us. Well, how do we know that? Well, we read John 1 verse 12. And in John 1 verse 12, the Bible says, But to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, that is Jesus, he the Father gave the right to become children of God. I would much rather be called a child of God than I would be called a peaceful man. I want to be called a child of God. And now that I'm in Christ, I'll always be called a child of God. I'm a part of the family of God merely by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But here's the reality. Not everybody is a child of God. Jesus made the, in John 8, Jesus clearly drew a line and said, you're either the children of the father, your father, the devil, or the liar, or you're children of the father, the truth, my father, God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. So either you're a child of the devil or you're a child of God. So the only determining factor which determines which one you are is Christ. Have you received him? Have you trusted him? If so, you're a child of God. If you reject him, you're a child of the devil. So peacemakers are bold in our witness. Do we love people? Yes. Do we tell them the truth? Yes. Do we do it with enthusiasm and excitement? Yes, because we who were once dead are now alive in Christ. We who were once in darkness, we're now in the light because of Christ. And we're excited about that, and we want to share that. Peacemakers are called sons of God because we have called on the Son of God to save us from our sins. And we are called to call others to do the same, just like the Samaritan woman. She went to the village, her village, her village. And she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Man, you need to go to your village and boldly proclaim Jesus is the Messiah. He is Christ. He is the Savior of the world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the name that is given under heaven, the only name by which we must be saved. You know, one thing I've noticed in this difficult time, when there's difficulty, there comes opportunity. I know there's a lot of cancellations. Everything's been canceled. Oh, how I wish that one thing that would be canceled is the train on Hamill Road. Or for you Thrasher Pike folks, the train at Thrasher Pike. But apparently it's not going to be. But the good news is that when there's difficulty, opportunity, they tend to run on parallel tracks. Like, this is an unusual, difficult time, but it gives us great opportunity. I read last week that one of the online church platforms that makes a service like this available, and every church is, nearly every church is doing this type of service that can, and so there's a lot of online church platforms being used right now. And last week, one of those platforms reported that of all the churches that used them last week, 15,842 people were saved last week, 
in a service just like this. Over 15,000. What an opportunity. I don't know if you've noticed it, but your neighbors are going outside more and more and more and more. It's getting warmer and warmer. And as they go outside, what a great opportunity for you to keep your distance socially, but to engage them spiritually and have a conversation about Jesus with them. Can you believe that over 4 billion people are online at any given time? And only 7% of the material out there is gospel-centered. So share this, share this, share this. What an opportunity to reach folks for the gospel. Let's not miss the opportunity. I I know I've used quite a bit of sports illustrations today, but look, I'm having withdrawals from sports, so forgive me. I've got another one. A baseball player, Christian baseball player, was asked, what do you do when a fight breaks out? As a follower of Christ, how do you respond when a fight breaks out on the field? He said, well, this is how I handle it. When I see a fight beginning to break out, I I look for a friend of mine on the opponent's team, and when the fight breaks out, I run to him, and I whisper in his ear, if you don't hurt me, I won't hurt you. And so we pretend to fight and roll around, but we're really not fighting. Listen, that is not what Jesus had in mind. That is a peace maintainer. That's a peacekeeper. But Jesus has called us to be peacemakers, and to do that, we have to boldly share the truth. We have to boldly tell people the truth. And it's going to hurt. It hurt me when I heard that I was a sinner and separated from God. That wasn't something fun to hear. But praise God, the good news is that Jesus died for me. The good news is that although I was separated from God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's available to you today, right now. Boldly share that truth with those that you know. Here's the fourth trait, final trait of a peacemaker. Number four, peacemakers belong together. Peacemakers belong together. They are called sons. That word is plural. It's not singular. It's plural. It insinuates a family, men, women, boys, and girls who have sonship, children of God, the family of God, sons and daughters of God is the picture there and we belong together to gather together and worship him you know last week we got some great feedback from our online service one person sent in worshiping online was just as good as being there no 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 it's not this stinks and i don't like a bit of it this room is empty Now, I'm grateful for our tech team. I'm grateful for our worship team. I'm grateful for technology. But this stinks. The sound's bouncing off the walls. It's, It's an empty room. You're not here. I miss you being here. There was an old rabbi who was approached by a young rabbi. And the young rabbi had taken over the congregation of the older rabbi and He was having trouble as the people gathered together during the prayers. Some would stand during the prayers, and some would sit during the prayers. And they were shouting back and forth at each other. The tradition is to stand. No, the tradition is to sit. No, our tradition is to stand. No, our tradition is to sit. Just utter chaos, just shouting at each other. So the young rabbi didn't know what to do. He went and talked to the older rabbi. He said, well, what is the tradition? Is the tradition to sit? The old rabbi said, no. 
The young rabbi said, oh, so the tradition is to stand. The old rabbi said, no. He, the young rabbi said, well, I don't know what to do. We're in total chaos. Some are sitting, some are, are, are standing, and they're shouting at each other. And the old rabbi said, that is the tradition. Some sit, some stand, and they shout at each other that one's right and one's wrong. Listen, I miss you so much, I even miss your complaining and grumbling. I miss you that much. I miss you, some of you telling me it's too hot in here, or it's too cold in here, or the music's so loud I can't hear it. I even miss your complaints. I even miss your grumbling. I even miss you making fun of my shoes. I miss you. I miss you being here. And this is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be gathered together. Now, through history, even now, our brothers and sisters in other countries, and we'll talk about that some next week, have, are separated, and they're worshiping in what they call secret church. And so there's nothing new for believers to be, uh, to be unable to gather but I don't like it. In fact, Hebrews reminds us of what God's intentions are. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says that we are not to neglect to meet together, as is the heart of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A couple of thoughts here on Hebrews 10. First of all, we understand that we're not neglecting to meet together. <laughs> because we uh, are forming a habit to do so. We're doing this out of necessity. We're doing this to love our neighbors and to love God, to continue to gather together online and to continue to love one another and try to be cautious and safe during this time with a spread, unprecedented spread of this virus. And so we know we're not doing this out of habit. We're doing it out of necessity. Another thought is, according to Hebrews 10, 24, 25, the reason that we gather together week in and week out is to look forward to the day in heaven when every tribe and every language and every people group that have trusted in Christ, those people in those groups that have come to faith in Christ are going to be gathered together in heaven. And in that place called heaven, there'll be nothing impure, nothing unclean, no viruses, no toilet paper, no hand sanitizer. There'll be no need for it. And we'll be gathered together to worship our king. Meanwhile, we're to gather week in and week out. Now, physically, we can't do that right now. We are staying away right now from a physical gathering so that we can get back together again when this passes. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me is during this time, we will have a longing to gather together that we've never had before. Can you imagine the Sunday that we can say, hey, we're going to meet at a location physically and worship together? Can you imagine what that gathering is going to be like? That will point us to the one day that is approaching in glory where all of God's children, all those who've trusted Christ will be gathered together with him. So in this time, don't you for one minute think, hey, this is just as good as meeting together. No, it's not. Long to gather together. Long to be one another people. Peacemakers belong together. We belong together. There was a monk by the name of Telemachus in the 5th century. And this monk decided in his heart that to love God, he needed to serve people. And so he made a decision to go to Rome 
And this was during the days of the gladiatorial fights, those gladiator contests in the arena. And the monk was just appalled and aghast at what was happening in these arenas. These gladiators were fighting. And so he jumped into the arena and he placed himself in between two gladiators and he told them to stop. Now the 80,000 crowd did not like that. And history tells us either this monk was stabbed to death or stoned to death, differing stories out there. Either way, he died that day in the arena. Three days later, three days later, (laughs) three days later, the emperor announced that Telemachus was a martyr and issued a historic ban on gladiator fights. That's the day they ceased. Do you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh, between two criminals on a cross, died for your sins and mine. Although we were separated from God in our sin, Paul writes in Colossians that through Jesus, uh, to reconcile to himself all things, uh, the Lord Jesus made peace by the blood of of his cross. How do you become a peacemaker? You got to know the maker of peace. And you have to know and believe that the maker of peace has made peace through the blood of his cross. And you individually, sir, ma'am, boy, girl, you have to make a decision to trust Christ alone. You can't rely on your parents' decision or your spouse's decision or your sibling's decision. You have to make that decision on your own. And today, we want to help you with that decision. So my question to you, do you have peace? Do you have the peace that surpasses all understanding? Are you at peace with God? The only way you can be at peace with God is to come into a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who although he died for your sins and although buried, three days later, he was raised from the dead, proving that he alone has authority to forgive sin. And so if you'll turn to Jesus right now, if you want to do that, would you pray with me right now? And the question again, do you have peace? So here we're going to pray right now. I want you to bow your head, and I want you to pray with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to trust Christ as your Savior, to receive the peace that only God can give. Pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know I'm separated from you. I believe Jesus came to bring me to yourself. I believe Jesus came to make peace by the blood of his cross. And today, I want that peace. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I put my trust and faith in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. Jesus, save me. 
you call upon the name of Jesus and right now he will save you. Right now you can have peace. Right now. Receive this offering of peace by turning to Jesus and trusting in him. Hey, you call on the Lord, he'll save you today. Hey, if you've made that decision, if you've trusted in Jesus, we want you to text. If you've trusted Christ today, text the word Jesus to this number, 423-440-8555. Would you text the, the, the name Jesus to that number? We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you grow now. We, we want to help you to become a peacemaker. We want to help you do that. So you've got to let us know so we can connect with you. We'd love to do that. For all the rest of us who'd say, yes, I've trusted Christ and I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I do have peace. Well, let me ask you, are you giving peace? It's time to give it. It's time to boldly share it. This is not a time to shrink back. This is not a time to back up. This is a time to press on in Christ the victory we have in Jesus. That in Christ alone we stand. Whatever comes, let it come. Jesus is on his throne. He'll remain on his throne no matter what comes. And it's our responsibility to give this peace to those in your circle of influence. So if you'd like us to pray for you, to be that peacemaker, text the word prayer to this number, 423-440-8555. We'd love to connect with you and see how we can pray for you. If you have any questions about peace or how to share it or how to receive it, text question to the number 423-440-8555. Also, if you're considering baptism, we'd love to schedule that when we can get together. So text the word baptism. Hey, just connect with us. We'd love to share with you any of our ministries, any way you can come to know Christ, any way you can share Christ. We want to help you be a peacemaker. So let us know. Father, we love you and we praise you today. God, let us have the peace that surpasses all understanding, not just to have it, but to give it. Help us give it, Lord, in a way that pleases and honors you as we stand in Christ alone. Amen.